there, everybody. Welcome to the Arts Report. Welcome to our first show in the new year. Today, we have a wonderful, wonderful review and as well as an interview with a faculty member. Ooh, I'm not going to tell you who it is yet. Not yet. But welcome. Um, it is January the 6th, 2016. Wow, it's really weird. Um, in studio today, you have me, Ashley Park, as your host. I have my really cool, handy, dandy, Mr. Hey, Andy. That's right, that's me. Hi. Yeah. And you are listening to CITR uh, Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting from unceded Musqueam territory in Vancouver. We're just going to go right into the review. So yesterday, Andy and I saw this really wonderful Beijing opera called Opera Warriors. It was um, at the Queen Elizabeth Theater in downtown Vancouver. It's actually on tonight as well, only for two, only for two nights, January 5th and the 6th. It starts at 8 p.m., I don't know if there might be any tickets left, but if there are, go for it. It was so brilliant. Presented by the China Arts and Entertainment Group and Image uh, China and performed by the talented Hua Jin Dance Drama Ensemble, Opera Warriors is a beautifully displayed narrative about three brothers who are Beijing opera Jingju actors. Um, the three brothers' lives are artfully weaved through glory, love, and death, expressed in a fantastic blend of costume, dance styles, martial arts, and music. Joining our review today is Dr. Shi uh, Wan Lu, Stephen Lu, Assistant Professor in UBC's Department of Theater and Film. He is both advisor to Master's and PhD theater program at UBC, an accomplished scholar with a focus on 20th century Chinese and Japanese theater, intercultural performance, and Asian North American theater. His publications include the Methuen Drama Anthology of Modern Asian Plays, Performing Hybridity in Colonial Modern China, as well as contributions to the Oxford Encyclopedia of Theater and Performance and the Encyclopedia of Asian Theater. So welcome to the show, Dr. Liu. We're very excited to have you. Thank you, Astrid. It's great to be here. Mm -hmm. So we are going to talk a little bit about Jinju and specifically the Opera Warriors. First of all, let me say that the show was an utter delight. We both had such a good time. Like, it was really good, right? Yeah. Um, the staging, I think, especially was really incredible. Mm-hmm. And yesterday night, I wanted to ask, you were there on stage actually presenting. So how did you actually get involved with Opera Warriors? <laughs> it's, it's a long story. It's actually <laughs> they, uh, uh, they, they, they wanted someone from UBC to talk about uh, the show. And uh, because, I, as you said, I focus on uh, Chinese theater, mm -hmm. uh, I guess I got the bill. <laughs> <laughs> And you, you actually got to you actually got to meet them early before they presented here in Vancouver. That's right. Yes, I went to see them actually in China mm -hmm. a month ago, um, and I had a chance to talk to the artistic director and also the artist, and mm -hmm. we had a wonderful time talking about the show, their creative process, and uh, how they got here. And I actually particularly appreciate the fact that you provided cultural and a little bit of a historical context to the specific kind of costumes and the, the roles on stage that, you know, maybe an audience here might not know. Um, could you tell maybe our listeners more about the martial male Wu, I think it's Wu Sheng? Wu Sheng, yes. Wu Sheng roles as well as kind of the feature that makes, you know, a Beijing opera, like what it is. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a great topic, and that's one of the reasons actually I like uh, this show a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, it's actually a great combination of Beijing opera and Chinese dance. Mm -hmm. uh, the the show itself is actually a dance show, a dance piece, right? Mm -hmm. um, and 
but its uh, its basic format is uh, cla Chinese classical dance and modern dance. Uh, Chinese classical dance was created in the 1950s mm -hmm. um, by getting uh, the dance elements from traditional theater, especially Beijing Opera, Jingju, and Kunqu, um, and plus uh, modern dance and ballet. Mm -hmm. It has ballet elements to it. And this particular play is actually based on the memoir of one of the most famous actors in China of this Wusheng role, right, the martial male role. Mm -hmm. uh, his name was Gai Jiaotian. And so as such, uh, it was kind of split into three uh, martial male roles, uh, mm -hmm. Wusheng roles. One of them is the uh, the long armor or uh, chang kao in yes. Chinese. Uh, that's generally performs the general who who uh, fight on horseback. Mm -hmm. uh, we can see him using a really long uh, weapon. Uh, getting uh, His costume is usually has armor yeah, and Yeah, it helmet. was so beautiful. Yeah it's, yeah, it's it's wonderful. Really gorgeous. Yeah, and then he has really uh, thick uh, uh, soles, right? He, mm -hmm. That that makes him really beautiful, and also his yeah. makes his actions, movements really difficult. It's very graceful, and and then we were talking about like the the shoes that some of the actors are wearing. They kind like they're like really tapered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really it tapered. is it is a slant inside. Yeah, actually, the, it's the really white hard. Part. It's very hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then this, the the second actor is also also star. Uh, here is actually what we call a. a a duandas subcategory that means mm -hmm. short fight uh, about warriors who fight on foot. Mm -hmm. So these are really great jumpers and and, and tumblers. That was the second brother. That's the second brother. Yeah, definitely yes. really yes. good. Yes, very good. And then there's the youngest brother. They're not real brothers. They're just friends, great <laughs> friends <laughs> in this training company. Yeah. Uh, and so at the beginning of the play, he's really a nobody. Uh, he's <laughs> he's <laughs> the third one. <laughs> yeah, he's the third one. He's the soldier. He's supernumerary. And but he has great ambition. He tries really hard. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the play, of course, he has a wonderful transformation and yes. becomes. And. Now that you mentioned, let's actually talk about kind of the action on stage. They have such fantastic movement, and the color schemes were so kind of like sublime. Like mm -hmm. I, there was one part I think uh, uh, I'm just gonna kind of give like the the general, so that if you guys, you know, listeners want to go see it, please do. But that one part in which there was a marriage proposal, and there was kind of like a difference thing happening on stage, and they used lighting to mm -hmm. do so. Is that is that part? Do you think that's part of like the the modern aspect of it, or is that actually part of the traditional? Oh yeah, that that's that's a very mod ultra modern part of it actually. Mm -hmm. uh, it's yeah, as as you said, they use light very effectively to separate different uh, playing areas, right? Yes. Yeah, the, the the two sides of the the stage at, or, or one side uh, as the the gangsters coming in for the marriage proposal, mm -hmm. and then of course uh, the the company on the main. Area, I mean the the design, the 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 design value of this is really great, right? The the, the mm -hmm. lighting designer is actually the one who designed the opening and closing ceremonies oh, of really? the Beijing Olympics. Yes. Wow. Yeah, Sha Xiaolan, he's, he's he's really the top guy. Yeah, because yeah. we were just talking about how stunning the colors were, and right. a lot of it contributed to the fact that they had such gorgeous kind of mood lighting. Right. Yeah, and right. that was really like really really good. And I want to ask about kind of like the. Um, the emphasis of body motion and mm -hmm. body movement. Like, I think there was one character who we didn't know who he was, but he was just so iconic. There was this, like, we, because it didn't say in the, um, in the program, right. but there was this one character who was kind of like, you know, like, little, like, hunched over. He had these, like, two attendants, and he was just so funny. Like, right. who and was he? And we never see him again. I we don't never think. see him again, but he was so, like, like, great. Who was he? Which guy against it? 
Oh, I think this is an act two right. when the company gets a little bit more big. And right. there's this one uh, character that kind of comes on stage. He has two attendants to him. And mm-hmm. he's kind of like going oh, like yeah, this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Listeners can't see it, but basically he lifts his shoulder right. up. He's kind of hunched right. over. Right. Little right. movements. Right. Right. He's a eunuch. Oh, he's a eunuch. He's a eunuch. Okay. Remember, this is early 20th century uh, China. It's uh, probably by this time the uh, the Qing Dynasty was already toppled. Okay. But the emperor was still in the in the summer palace, mm-hmm. and then there are still eunuchs wearing their their, their court costumes, court okay. uniform. And then so he's you see comes in. Of course, you can see he's he's he's, he's quite intoxicated with oh. opium and yeah, that. his knees is so a lot. He's he's really funny. Yes, mm-hmm. he's great. And I think that's like one thing we really liked about this production is that there were these kind of like little background scenes happening while the main dance is right, happening at the same right, time. So right. we wondered, is that a hybrid tradition? Uh, very or, much. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is one of the first place, if not the first place, at least the, the, the only one that I know that 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 brings dance and theater together, mm-hmm. right? Uh, using uh, dance as the main platform, and so, and, but it's just really great. Uh, how my, I was like you guys, I was in, in really uh, in, uh, struck by how well it, can, it it displays, performs the social strata, yeah. different social strata of, yeah, of the early twentieth really century did. China, beginning mm-hmm. of second act and third act. Just really wonderful pieces. It was really well researched, and the costume design really great, right. and. Um, there were other things that we were little, I think at the end we got a little confused because we didn't know the cultural context of it mm-hmm. when, of course, the Monkey King comes and then there's actually all these different people and there's like one person dressed in like the yin-yang symbol. Mm-hmm. I was like, who's that guy? He's cool <laughs> though. I want to know his story. This this is uh, the the Euro characters in Monkey King place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are heavenly uh, creatures. Uh, I think the one you're Meant specifically is Taishang Lao Jun. Uh, this is the old man in uh, yeah. I- in heaven whose his job is actually supposed to 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 make the the longevity pills for for the Jade Emperor. <laughs> 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 and then there's a story that actually Sun Wukong once he escapes, uh, and then he gets mm-hmm. into his actually stove and st- steals some of them, and s- eats them up, and that's why he never dies. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna get in on this action. Right, right. And that actually leads to kind of like my next kind of thing. And then we mentioned that you mentioned this before is that they have kind of like these plays within a play so right. the dance form is like a play that's happening within the large structure of the play right and then we also have the really lovely chinese theater mm-hmm. that's moving and going in and out that was such a really wonderful thing but it's still inside this kind of you know victorian proscenium right. arch is that kind of a part of do you think that was like purposely like intercultural or it was what? like a happy accident no, I think it's very uh, uh, purposely designed. I think to mm-hmm. as a showcase of Chinese theater. Um, of course, it it it, it performs very uh, important stage function. Right, several mm-hmm. the theater highlights are performed there on, in it. But yeah, if you look at it, I think it's uh, they are. The, the whole concept of conception of this production is very much international, mm-hmm. um, designed to actually to showcase Chinese culture. Uh, and so, the, the, yeah, the, the theater is the kind of like the, the Globe Theater, a uh, Globe stage, if you compare that to Shakespeare's time. And then, of course, uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, the, the theater pieces within the play. The plays yeah, that's within right. the play. Yeah, yeah that was really cool. That's very cool. And there are several highlight pieces about uh, mm-hmm. the acrobatic fighting ones. And what I like about it is that it, they are so well braided into the plot m- yes. movement in that's themselves. That's right. right. I actually thought, before I read the program, I thought, oh, wow, they have these, like, 
such cool dances. And right. I saw the program, like, these are actually traditional forms of Chinese dance. Right. That they kind of, are they, are they that long or do they, or do they have, like, excerpts of it? I'm guessing they're excerpts. Yeah, they're, they're excerpts, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that really astounded me, especially these dances, because it really just highlighted kind of the intricate and even astonishing physicalities yeah. of the performers. How, how long do they go through training for this kind of style? Um, they trained, I think, several months uh, for, 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 for this style, and they mm-hmm. had a really great coach uh, mm-hmm. who is actually the grandson of, of Gai Jiaotian, whose memory oh, wow. that was based yes. on. Yes, it actually it was him, it's Zhang Shanlin, the grandson, who proposed actually uh, adapting the memoir in, onto uh, the dance stage. Mm-hmm. And it is really definitely different from a Western approach to, of course, acting. There was a lot of great expression in the face Mm -hmm. that we particularly noted, especially in the girls. Like, the girls are so cute. They're so animated and cute. Yeah, they're so animated and cute. And um, the way that they hold their body is different. There's not not much straightness or rigidness. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's the part about uh, the... the, 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 what they call the Chinese classical dance, right? Mm -hmm. The essence of it, uh, the... the school of special school of that that style is called shenyun or body rhyme, okay. right? So it's together. It's, it's supposedly to showcase this very specific aesthetics of the Chinese body movement, mm-hmm. especially from from traditional theater. The idea of roundness, right? Yes. So you don't see any straight lines. No, yes, I didn't. No, Everyone yep. had a bit of a bend to their form. Right, right, right. Especially their hands. Yeah. They did a lot of hand gestures. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular, like, uh, specific tradition of the hand gesture? Yeah, it's, it's a, a supposedly awkward hand, right? Mm-hmm. That you, you bend, and then the, the middle finger bends the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah it's we're, never we're straight. doing it right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, is that actually is that tied with Buddhism? Because when you said orchid, I actually immediately thought Buddhism. Lotus, right? Lotus. Lotus, yeah. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Buddhist. <laughs> But I, I kind of tied it to that. That it had some kind of cultural context to maybe um, philosophical or religious kind of movement, but not really. Anyways, um, as a scholar whose focus is on Asian drama, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask if you had any particular type of you know, favorite like play drama stories that was featured within um, Opera Warriors. Like, which one was your favorite like dance? Um, yeah, there, there 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 are several of them. Mm-hmm. them and then let, let me give you just one. Uh, is the uh, um, we said there are three brothers, right? Our yes. three best friends. And the first one is the uh, uh, the long armor role. Mm-hmm. And then he, in this play, performs uh, a, a, an excerpt from the, the play Tiao Hua Che, which is in English. It's called uh, Turning Chariots. Mm-hmm. It's about a general who, during a battle, uh, turns over about a dozen iron chariots. Mm-hmm. And these are the tanks of the time, right? Yeah. Uh, and he wants to be a tank bomber. And, <laughs> and he's a really arrogant guy, yeah. And then he does, he turns over the first 11 of them, for example, and mm-hmm. then in the end, he's just crushed uh, <laughs> because he's exhausted. He, yes. But but what that that play allows, number one, is actually great characterization because you start watching him so arrogant and that is, mm-hmm. and then his commander knows he's that type of guy who, so he didn't actually give him anything. And then he's in the end, he said, well, I can't really do it. Let me do it. And he says, okay, if you have to go, and he goes, and he does it. And performatively, what's, it's great, of course, you can see how he turns one by one, and then you can see how he's getting exhausted, losing yeah, his, strength, his strength. And then so, so he does those splits and yep. dance. And, and, and this one, of course, being dance, they actually enhanced it. This mm-hmm. guy actually doing, does a split yeah. four times in a row, right? 
I had I actually had no idea that was the context of it until you know you explained to me right now. Right. Um, I actually thought he was like, oh wow, he look at him do the split. That's really hard. <laughs> but that was like part of the entire story that there's a narrative even going out throughout these uh, dance dramas. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And then the, the even better part is what happens after that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's we we have we have this third brother who's nobody who's actually one of the soldiers who 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 who, who mm-hmm. holds one of those iron chariots. He's an extra. He's an extra. Yeah. And then the way they do it is actually it uses the the the, the flags, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The flags to to symbolize uh, with wheels painted on them, um, to symbolize iron chariots. And then after that, he's nobody. And you know the the Chinese generals generally have four flags on, on his back, yes. right, to symbolize the army he commands. So mm-hmm. this this the third brother, the, the extra, and. He's, first of all, he's get dejected. Really, look at my two best friends, and they've made it. They're really big stars. I'm nobody. Mm-hmm. And then he has an idea as he actually puts that the wheel flags yeah. on his back, back. <laughs> to pretend they are the back flags for the general. Mm-hmm. So basically, the idea that I will make it someday too. Mm-hmm. So the other guys, the other two, come in and they tease him, <laughs> right? Yeah. They, they supposedly they support him, and then they, they let them uh, climb on their back and they have a wonderful pose mm-hmm. and then the next thing you know they, they spread and then he falls tumbles to the ground and <laughs> cries and all that kind of yeah. like make fun of him a little bit yeah yeah make the, the yeah joke of a joke and so but the, that's just an idea that how theater highlights the specific plays from Beijing Opera actually is so well braided into this play mm-hmm. and to move the plot forward and I wanted to actually talk a little about the plot because one thing that confused me and he said it was true but I want I wanted to know did well, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, did the master, like, commit suicide? Like, is that what happened with, like, the white, like, hanging? Oh, man, okay. <laughs> I, like, it, like, when he just fell, I was like, okay, yes. what, what does that mean? Then my friend was like, no, like, he died. I was like, did he really? But he put on, like, the everything, and, like, he put on that beautiful costume, and it was so great. Right, yeah, it's, it's I, I think it's, that's a cultural thing. That's one of the cultural things that I, I talked to them when I went there, mm-hmm. uh, because, uh, that has different colors. Yes. I mean, the West is black. That's right. In China, it's, it's white, mm-hmm. right? So, so, it, and so, said, what can we do? And and then, then they, they had it and and yeah, but maybe remember we had that uh, we studied that play Tea House yes. uh, last last semester, that's right. and then that that one things make it clear in the end of the play. Of course, the the, the Tea House uh, manager actually takes it. His yeah. scarf with him, and that leaves no doubt in the end, in the mind of the audience, that he's going to heal, hands himself. Yeah, yeah. Right? He's going to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, really, really good. I really enjoyed it, and I was about to ask um, about what was I going to ask? Um, one thing I wanted to ask is actually in terms of the backdrop, because we talked about how when people stage and you know Asian performance here, especially in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes the backdrops that they have are kind of like a pan-Asian idea of uh-huh. Asian aesthetics. Right, right. How accurate were the you know scrolls and all these like wonderful embellishments that they hung? Oh, they they are very accurate. They are mm-hmm. actually uh, replicas of of, of uh, contemporary uh, ads at the time. Oh, really? Yes, if, if if you read Chinese, actually, they are the real ads, uh, newspaper ads. I think mm-hmm. they just blow them up uh, bigger. Um, the, the the Chinese word signs all authentic uh, uh, from the, the the shop names and mm-hmm. the street names, uh, and then the two words, the big one, Silo, means uh, theater stage. Um, they are they are all authentic. Okay, and and I wanted to ask about now, like modern right. uh, Chinese theater. 
do they do the same thing with their stages as well in which they move their stage around or is that only this particular production that they did that um, there is a tendency, as sometimes I don't know if that's good or bad, okay. <laughs> to to have really <laughs> super big concepts. Yeah. Um, sometimes that dwarfs the the acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but the the, dance, the dancers are so big, and they they have yeah. bigger cast, right? Mm-hmm. So so they they, they can afford that they, they they can counterbalance uh, mm-hmm. with with the big movements. And these forms, you know, the dance especially, you mentioned, they come from very specific, you know, tradition. Right. And I actually want to talk about kind of like attempts of modernizing it. You mentioned that they, you know, mixed it with, you know, ballet, that they had um, a very special kind of emphasis on like the foot mm-hmm. of the actor. Mm-hmm. And um, we talked a little bit about cultural essentialism, which like we can only, you know, we are the only ones that are allowed to like, you know, do our culture, right. that kind of thing. Right. And I wanted to kind of like think critically about it with the repetition of this style of the same thing that we're you know that we're seeing like you know it's rooted it's mired in tradition. Right. If they did it without altering it, would it be kind of stifling for the theater performance? Or you know, is there any room for change that would you know that would make it a little you know quote unquote modern, but mm-hmm. without change it too much that it, it isn't the Beijing Jinju style? Yeah. Um. But to me, mm-hmm. uh, all theater is hybrid. Yes. Um, but that being said, um, there's always also the idea of historical specificity. Yes. Uh, that we need to pay very s- special attention. That that's that that's what theater histori- historiography is about, and as mm-hmm. theater history uh, historians and students, we need to pay attention to that. And for, so, for this specific play, the idea of uh, combining traditional Chinese theater, dance, and ballet, of course, you can't really leave out the very specific history that in the 1990, 1950s, mm-hmm. there were lots of Soviet experts that, because mm-hmm. because Soviet Union was China's yeah. big, big, big brother. Yeah, right? they were kind of like just hanging out. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, so they have lots of ballet experts there, too, mm-hmm. that help them. Uh, so that's part of the reason why they added uh, ballet. And there's also that, that, that sense, of course, that the ballet being more uh, evolutionarily advanced, yes, right? of course, as, as a Western form yeah. um, than, than, than than Chinese dance, uh, and so they they borrow lots of techniques and training structures and mm-hmm. training techniques uh, from it, uh, and so so it, uh, uh, that, uh, I'm totally fine with it. I think it's 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 it's, it's great. Um, there is a controversy though within Chinese dance world. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this this style, as I said earlier, the school is the mainstream. It's yep. called the, the, the Shen Yun school, right? Body rhyme school. Yes. It's a very poetic term. And then there's other there's another uh, s- much smaller uh, school of thought mm-hmm. saying that we should not do this, especially that there's too much ballet. In, in these, okay, it, I there's see. too much ballet, and let's take them out. And then there's also the other school is what they call the Han Tang school. Han Tang is the Han Dynasty and Tang Dynasty. Yes. they wanted to uh, actually to create their uh, directly from from the, the cave paintings, the, oh, yeah, the, 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 pull the, it the from paintings, history. yeah, yeah and, and literary references, poetry, and all that to create to to go directly to the root, mm-hmm. uh, not. Even f- from from Beijing Opera, from Jingji, these are kind of diluted, not. Ah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. not pure Chinese aesthetics. Exactly. It's, exactly. It has other influences. Right. Yeah. Right. But from what I can see, and this is my first, uh, you know, uh, Beijing, you know, Jinju, and I don't know if it's like, you know, as you mentioned, because it is, you know, very much like hybrid. Right. But from what I saw, it, I actually really, really, really enjoyed it. 
very lovely visuals and I felt that it was all accurate too which made me feel good like some like I, when I go see a show and I'm like oh that's not that's not accurate that's that's a stereotype that's kind of like a pastiche like I go mm, okay I'll just enjoy it but I won't I'm not gonna really like it but this one like you can totally tell that when they brought it over they had the idea we're really gonna you know show you kind of like a slice of you know Chinese culture right, a right. slice of you know right. Chinese theater mm-hmm. which I was very happy to see yeah they they, they, they went with the best right the, the, mm-hmm. the Beijing Opera coach was the best actor of this genre of, of the style and so they and these actors are really hard workers and they, yeah they, they were definitely hard. hard workers they deserved all the applause they yes, got at the end multiple yes, times yes. I wanted to ask about um because now the focus is, like, we want people to be much more culturally kind of aware of a larger grand scheme mm-hmm. than just, like, the westernized world. Do you think, like, the introduction of this style is, like, the best way to do it just because uh, some people, you know, they, when they see something, they're like, I don't want to, like, but it's also kind of like a like a western idea. Like, I want right. to do something, quote, unquote, different. Do you think it's, it's good for people to, you know, see this kind of thing in terms of, like, culturally broadening themselves or is it like you know you have to you know or is is that still kind of like falling into the idea of this is like the other sort of theater no i i I like this a lot Mm -hmm. uh in the sense that uh it doesn't uh essentialize chinese culture yes it doesn't but it doesn't also uh pander too much either Mm -hmm. so it they Sounds like to me to me that they they they've done something right, and they, I, I've heard some people say that uh, after the show yesterday that they changed their impression of China. Okay. Uh, uh, but for me, yes, uh, there are things uh, in Chinese um, art um, performance world that you, we, we all will know that that that, that pander a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, on the exotic, on yeah, exotic, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, or or that's. Um, I mean, this one uh, give a traditional theater a modern format, right? It did. Yeah. It really did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I really um, wanted to mention is if there are any you know listeners that are they want to go but they're kind of hesitant to the show because they're you know they're afraid they won't understand or whatnot. They're like, oh, if I go, then I won't get it. It's all like Chinese. They do have these short kind of like chapter like summaries at the beginning of each act right. that they project. Right. And is this a deliberate choice by the production, or is it an actual adaptation of you know Jinju convention? Do they actually like stop and then be like, oh, this is now this and whatnot? No, I don't think it's a Jinju convention, but okay. I think it's it's a very intentional to do it. Um, they actually have, they had both Chinese and English introductions, oh, okay. uh, yeah. and they had it until yesterday afternoon, and then we we were we were down the downstage and watching it mm-hmm. and then we just oh no the english is too small the yeah. font is too small yeah. Yeah. people can't read it and then they say well the the, the the person in charge said well if you make it english bigger we won't have enough time to fulfill the music yep. and then so the final decision is well most people will be able to read english if not all yeah. and then the, those who can read chinese can figure it out much easier <laughs> yeah. the plot so the solid decision is just to show english mm-hmm. and it was such a huge turnout like yeah. so many people came like mm-hmm. i was like literally i came in early to get tickets and still so many people right anyways such a really really good show andy any last remarks um i guess one is like a really a story question this right. there's a version of this play i think that ends in a revenge story Oh, it, don't you think so? Like, there's a way. Well, it's a, there's a spoiler, I guess. But a uh, spoiler warning. Sorry, everybody. Go ahead, Andy. But isn't there a version where, like, the youngest brother, you know, avenges um, his two 
older brothers, I guess, by killing the the, the tycoon. <laughs> That's great. I like it. Yeah, why didn't he? I, like, I, that I, made me so but, angry. But he, he gets his revenge, I guess, by, by you know, re- but, but rebuilding. But that, that will make it a pure metal drama. Uh, okay. <laughs> right? That's, That's true. That is true. Yeah. Is and true. also, I guess the direction is inspiration in the end. Uh, ambition, any inspiration fulfilled, I think that's that that that's the, the idea. And also, of course, again, this based based on, on the memoir of Gai Jiao Tian. I think mm-hmm. that's that, uh, yeah, it's the part of it. I, I don't think he had any stories about the the, the, the previous one. It's a little it's yeah. a little too Korean <laughs> revenge drama. That's like a huge <laughs> thing in Korea all the time. To like, what I was locked away for such a long time. I'm gonna get back at you in the most violent way possible. Monte Cristo too. Right? Yeah, that's a little. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much oh, for you know joining us on this review of Opera Warriors. For anyone who's still interested in going, please do. It is at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. Today it's its last night at 8 p.m. Go watch it. It's a very, very good show. I 100% back it. It's very accessible. It's yes. like a silent movie. You, you, you'll know what's happening just by yeah, watching it. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Anyways, thank you so much. We're going to go right into advertisements. Thank you so much, Dr. Lou, for joining us. And, Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, thank you. And we're going to go right to advertisements. We'll be whoa, right back. More than a bystander program. Myself and a few other players were lucky enough to work alongside the BC Lions and EVA, the Ending Violence Association, to support this cause. The main goal of the Be More Than a Bystander initiative is to increase awareness of domestic violence against women. For more information on the cause, please visit endingviolence.org. Every second Wednesday of the month from 6 to 9 is Women in Korea Night at the Bike Kitchen. Bring your bike and give it some love in this safe and positive space for anyone who identifies as female or queer. Come learn how to fix your own bike with the help of a female or queer-identified mechanic and volunteers. Plus, there's free pizza. Visit bikecoop.ca for more information. ad caught your attention. It also caught the attention of the coolest people from Squamish to Bellingham. Music fans, students, and members of various cultural communities. If you want your ad to do the same, advertise with CITR and Discorder. If you've got a rad new ad or just something you want to share, whether in print, on air, or online, promote your wares, services, or events with us. Contact us at advertising at citr.ca or call 604-822-4342. Visit citr.ca for rates, information, and packages. This is the end of our ad, and if you're still here, we must be doing something right. And welcome back to the Arts Report. So now, uh, we're going to uh, just talk a little more about these upcoming events that you should definitely know. They are local, they are Vancouver, they are so accessible to you. Go to them! This one is the 2016 Push Festival. Coming soon to you, Vancouver. The Push International Performing Arts Festival is definitely a staple of Vancouver's vibrant theater community. Starting on January 19th to the 6th of February, the Push Festival has an eclectic and fresh take of theater designed to kind of further uh, 
further kind of your theatrical and artistic, you know, thought, and also to show all these different expressions of, you know, art and ideology from all these amazing artists. And we want to make sure that you audiences are engaged in their media. So on stage at multiple venues, you know, in Vancouver, here's some of the few, some of the very few of of many interesting shows at Push. These are the ones that's coming up real soon. And we'll keep on doing a lot of coverage on Push here at the Arts Report on our subsequent shows. So at the Vancouver Playhouse, this is on January 19th to the 20th, expect to see a dazzling dance performance by Akash Odedra. He's an award-winning British contemporary dancer trained in Indian classical forms of Karthak and Bharata Natyam. So I know a tiny bit of Bharata, not that I know of, I don't know how to do it, but I know a little bit about it. And man, uh, they have such intricate dance styles because they have, I think, they train their actors to have like 36 like different expressions for their face. And then there's like all these like different little body movements, like bending of the finger. There's even like all these courses on bending of the arm and like your eyes and everything. It is really, really kind of like they've done research on every single part of the body to perform to you. Like it's crazy. It's really crazy. It's really cool too. If you've never seen a show like that before, this is coming to you, Vancouver. The show Inked and Murmur is a double bill. So Inked is one particular one and Murmur is a different one. And it expl- it kind of explores themes of conceptions and misconceptions of identity. Again, um, a lot of a lot of things is we're going to focus on intercultural you know, theater here if we can. And because he is you know Indian, he's also British, he's going to kind of, I guess, do kind of through dance this idea of what it means to do this kind of traditional dance in a modern context. Another amazing upcoming production is Monumental by Holy Body Tattoo and Godspeed You, Black Emperor, and it's from Canada. This one-night show is on January 28th at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. And basically, how do you express the madness of urban life? You have all this repetition, the confinement to go into your social structure such as school or work and maybe the alienation like you are with friends but are you really with friends when you're on facebook when you're on twitter do they really know you do you feel alone yes i have hundreds of friends hundreds well okay well i only have like 50 friends on facebook but they're all friends that i know by first and last name so but i have more so that's better right do you talk to them a lot well no do you feel alienated no, because I have hundreds <laughs> of friends. <laughs> All right, that's Andy. All right, he doesn't feel alienated. He has hundreds of friends. Anyways, here, the artists do it by turning movement into a metaphor, dance into poetry, and sound into substance. You have these nine human figures mounted on pedestals, and they use basically dance and post-rock to create this kind of you know, environment for people to you know, kind of see this, like, violent cathartic art going against this sort of like like weird cage that is modern life like for all that's you know worth of modern life people tend to feel like they're still like kind of trapped we have all these like freedoms but and all this like oh my god all the convenience due to electricity and our plumbing heating and whatnot but we're still like what is it that I still feel trapped in my own body? Like, something's got to, like, no, something's got to give. Like, what is this? Well, they are going to sort of kind of expose that 
through their uh, dance and also kind of through their post-rock. And that's actually only the few things that's actually coming up at the Push Festival. If you are interested, and you should be because they have so many different things, check out Push Festival. You can buy passes and go to as like the shows that you want to see. Push is dedicated into bringing sort of like experimental, like more independent sort of theater companies who pursue a specific idea. If that one kind of calls out to you, go see it. Again, Push is starting January 19th to the 6th of February. And if you can, go for it, Vancouver. Anyways, so Andy, you say you have a little something, something for us. Yeah, um, I saw The Hateful Eight in 70mm on New Year's Eve. So that's a few days ago, but, you know, we didn't have a show last week, did we? Um, No, this yeah. is the first show of the new year, and it's already <laughs> rocking it. That's right. Uh, yeah, I know, like, um, I guess a big, big movie that isn't really a local one, but... You know, there's only three theaters in all of Canada that were showing the film in 70 millimeters, so I think it kind of counts. So what, is, what does it mean by 70 millimeters? Uh, it's basically, this was shown in film because Quentin Tarantino is kind of a, a stickler for that. <laughs> He's like, yeah, digital is, is the enemy. Um, so it was it was projected. <laughs> okay. So that, that's kind of one thing. But it was also filmed in 70 millimeter, which means, like, basically you have a wider picture. Oh, okay. Um, which is... You know, there are a few movies in, like, recent years that have done it like that, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master and uh, Christopher Nolan's Interstellar were both 70mm and had releases in that format. Okay, yeah. So, basically, it's a wider f- wider uh, picture. That's basically the big thing about it. Um, what is the story about? So, this is his... It's, it's a Western, again, from Tarantino. Mm-hmm. It's... The Hateful Eight is kind of a, a misnomer because if you actually count the number of people... <laughs> In this, uh, in this cabin that okay. all these people are uh, convening at, mm-hmm. there's nine of them. Oh, okay. So there's maybe something... Uh, is there one person who's not hateful? There, I th- That's actually true. There is one person who is not hateful. I mean, that's <laughs> the reason why. He's like, I'm just not hating, guys. Yeah. Like, like, get into it. Like, the hate hateful eight with plus us. one. Yeah. Yeah. The one good guy uh, who's yeah. not hating. So this takes place in like 10 years after the American Civil War, I believe, in okay. Wyoming, I, I think. Um, it's a blizzard, and... It turns out that eight, nine characters basically are, are kind of trapped in this uh, haberdashery oh, okay. for a few days to, to wait out the blizzard. And the movie. Do they know each other? Uh, they know of each other. Many of them know each other by reputation, but, ah, but no, no one knows each other personally, I don't believe. At least that's what we're initially led to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, this it's, is an interesting film because is it, it still is it still uh, sorry sorry to interrupt is it still kind of going right now? It's going on right now. But okay, the so 70, spoiler warning. I'm gonna in I'm gonna avoid spoilers. Oh, I think. okay, yeah. wow, all right. Yeah, but the 70 millimeter uh, uh, road show, I guess they call it, is over at the Park Theater, which is where I saw it. Um, okay, it should be out for wide release right now um, in a bunch of uh, like mainstream places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a really interesting film because it's three hours long. Oh, and it's yeah. edited and it came out three hours long three hours long but the thing is it has an intermission it's like a play in in some respects oh that's really neat there's like a 10 minute intermission halfway uh in the film where a very shocking thing happens and okay i think it's really interesting intermissions are great um we we had an intermission yesterday for our uh beijing opera yep we did intermediate uh, it's great because because yeah we always we always (laughs) get to talk about stuff like we have reactions um, mm-hmm. to the, to what we've seen so far and what we might think happens next, right? That's I, one of the things I like about it. Yeah, now that you mention it, there is something really kind of 
um, good about the intermission in terms of how people start kind of reacting to the content that they've seen. They don't just, you know, watch it passively throughout the end. Because then you forget mm-hmm. some things, too. You yeah. remember, like, the last bit that happened, not, like, the first bit that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you get to go to the next person and be like, so in terms of theme and content, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Uh, and this is actually more like a play in, in more than that one respect. It's also mainly takes place in a single room for the most part um, mm-hmm. of the movie. So there is a kind of, and uh, yeah, like it, it's basically eight characters all in this room together. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it, it reminded me about um, this way in which you see, because of the wider uh, wider format, you see one thing happening, but you also see maybe something else in the background. Oh, right? okay. Yeah. So much like um, the Beijing opera we saw yesterday, we, we have this main action happening in the foreground, but we also mm-hmm. see the things happening in the background that yeah. are also very interesting as mm-hmm. well. You could do, you could see both because of um, how wide the picture is. Are they still going to keep that wide picture for the? Uh, um, it was it was filmed in that. Oh okay. Yeah, Ooh, so yeah. I, I think yeah, okay. yeah, it should be the same, pretty oh, much. I'm oh. not sure if they're going to keep the intermission. I hope they do because yeah. that's that's a really interesting way to do it. That's actually really neat that he did that deliberately. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a throwback, I think, on some level. It it begins with um, an overture. Okay. It just says overture on the screen, and it's like this this oh, music okay. starts playing yeah. for 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 a while. That's kind of great. But the movie itself is basically um, it's he kind of sells it as a mystery, but it's not really a mystery because the mm-hmm. mystery is introduced like three sixths into the film or something. Three sixths? You mean halfway? Like ha- halfway. Yeah, even halfway. Yes, I do. <laughs> and it gets res- it gets resolved like in that same chapter. Okay. Right. So so the real like kind mystery. of yeah the real thrust of the of the movie though is is really the shifting relationships between these characters um you know some of which are are uh, lost cost rebels mm-hmm. um you know they're white supremacists they're like bounty hunters or Samuel Jackson he plays like a black bounty hunter who fought for the union but he got mm-hmm. kicked out of the army yeah he's great um <laughs> <laughs> you know there's there's a woman who gets beat up a lot like this there's like oh, okay. yeah like I love this film a lot I think but there's also aspects of it that is clearly him being deliberately provocative right there's like you want to hate these people right and they're all like none of these characters are actually really good even the character you identify with the most who's um the samuel l jackson character you find out well this is actually not that great of a guy yeah yeah there's no one to really root for right You're just kind of digging in and be like what's the least shitty one <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. uh say the least but at the end you kind of do empathize with him and and one of the um the white supremacists oddly enough what like, yes Why? um Oh, that's spoilers. Not, it's not really spoilers, okay, but tell you, me, tell you me, because I want to know why I was, I would kind of be <laughs> like, just yes, this, white supremacist. He's just guy. like a kind of really interesting character in, okay. in many ways. You, you see the dimensions of him, okay. right? Even though he's, he's a total racist. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there's yeah. some good in that, that racist there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like there's some good, but you kind of, um, you feel something for this guy because of okay. the partly because of the actor Walton Goggins is, is very good in this movie. I think he's the MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the movie is about you know the subtly shifting relationships between um, all these people uh, over the course of three hours, and mm-hmm. needless to say, it ends very, very violently and bloodedly. Uh, but <laughs> yes, bloodedly. But bloodedly. Yeah, that's yes, a word. That's totally a word. That's the best word ever. Yeah. Okay. Well, ugh. that sounds like that sounds like I'm like stuck in the cabin with them, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the the thing, right? It's very interesting because there's not very many um, shots of, like, you know, wide vistas. It's very 
it's all in this one room. So it's a very interesting way to use this this um, this format, I think. Did they kind of even make you feel a little more claustrophobic that they're using such a wide shot that is of this very tiny, constrained space? Yeah, I think a little bit. There is a kind of claustrophobia to it. You know, mm-hmm. there's a blizzard outside in, in the film itself, and maybe you kind of feel that. You're kind of trapped with these characters. And you have, you know, like, oh, I hate all of them, too. <laughs> Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I loved it a lot, but I, I have a feeling that it's going to be very problematic for many other people. Is it because of the characters that are expressed within the film? Um, partly. It's also Tarantino's, you know, his his usage of, of the N-word, I think, is, you know, a lot of people have taken him to task for it. I think he's being very deliberately provocative here by mm-hmm. his use of it, okay. for example. And also the violence against women. Yeah, is, yeah. I was gonna actually ask, like, what about the violence against women? That's right, kind of like shown right. throughout his films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in this one, it's, it's, it's him kind of suggesting that this one woman is is really actually as bad and hateful as any man. Oh could my be. god! I hope it. I hope and it's not the. She's asking. Right. For no. It. I'm no. Doing no. Air De- definitely not. I think he's okay, he's good. also asking you to be horrified on some level when you know she gets backfisted or something. Yeah. But there's also something very cathartic about what happens to her at the end, which is oh, very okay. it's a very interesting play. He's trying to mm-hmm. deliberately provoke you as well as um, as kind of make you feel things you don't want to feel necessarily. Yeah, but you kind you kind of do. He's kind of yeah. like a maestro in that way. He's like, hey, you want to be a little as hateful as they are? Like, no, 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 I don't. <laughs> so yeah, you're just gonna do it. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna put you in that place. I'm gonna put you in that emotion, and you're going to hate them. Yeah. All right, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, I saw it with like two of my friends, and they both liked it as well. So, mm-hmm. how did how did they kind of come to the terms of the character? When you guys had the information, then I guess you guys talked a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we talked about how there were nine characters instead of just just eight. <laughs> You're like, well, this is <laughs> falsely <laughs> advertised. We had, to, we, had to count, we had to count them. Like, yeah, it was this guy and this guy. That's, that's nine characters. Yeah. yeah. Well, who are the nine characters? Is that spoiling them? Um, sure. There's uh, Walton Goggins as a a. The new sheriff in town, supposedly. It's a town that they're going okay. to. The new Samuel L. Jackson and um, and uh, Kurt Russell play two bounty hunters. Uh, mm-hmm. There's an old Confederate veteran. Um, mm-hmm. There's a there's a guy called just called the Mexican, which is just a weird, I think, thing to do. Okay. For for uh, for a movie that that, it, it, that has a racial aspect to it, it's yeah, just, just he, to call him the Mexican. Yeah, is he Latin American? He is. He is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, there is Jennifer Jason Lee, who plays the prisoner of Kurt Russell's bounty hunter character. Okay. Um, there is, well, how many is that so far? That's that's. I think that was like yeah. four or five. Okay. There's also the the hangman, the executioner for the who's also going to the town to mm-hmm. hang some people. All right. There is um, a another kind of classic cowboy character mm, as well. Yeah, in the Western, like the, the, yeah. the, the do-gooder who, guy? Yeah, who is not what he seems totally at Ooh, all. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think that's mostly it. Seven? I think you got seven. seven. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> counting is... Counting is hard. Counting is hard in, in this film. This is a hard film to count for. There's Even they got it wrong, too. What? Eight? <laughs> There's nine people. Oh yeah, the, the the ninth person, the the person who's not hateful is um the driver. Okay. Yes, the driver who drove the bounty hunters to this haberdashery. All right. So that's eight, I guess. Yep. We're missing one person. Oh well, that's okay. That's okay. Sorry, we'll we'll figure it out. You, it'll that, come back. That person to you. is probably great. I'm just, <laughs> just blanking out right now. That's like you have a lot of people to account for. You're like kind of like counting on your hand like a mom. Like oh, we have this guy, we have this guy, we have this guy, we have this guy. All right, are they all in the car? All right, we have to go to the <laughs> soccer game. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. 
Anyways, um, we're going to go into a uh, short advertisement and then come right back. Thank you for listening to the Arts Report 101.9 FM. Hey there. This ad caught your attention. It also caught the attention of the coolest people from Squamish to Bellingham. Music fans, students, and members of various cultural communities. If you want your ad to do the same, advertise with CITR and Discorder. If you've got a rad new ad or just something you want to share, whether in print, on air, or online, promote your wares, services, or events with us. Contact us at advertising at citr.ca or call 604-822-4342. Visit citr.ca for rates, information, and packages. This is the end of our ad, and if you're still here, we must be doing something right. Offered through the First Nations and Indigenous Studies Program, FNIS 401G, Indigenous Law and the Settler State, is a three-credit course being taught by New Channel scholar Johnny Mack in Term 2. This course will focus on the relationships between Indigenous law, state law, and policy whilst taking up key issues of their legal agency in the lawmaking process. Please visit fnis.arts.ubc.ca for more information. And welcome back to the Arts Report. We just have a late breaking news coming in from our Arts Reporter, Jake. What's up? Howdy. Uh, I'd just like to tell our listeners out there that the Norma Bouchard Theater in the Old Student Union Building is showing Guy Madden's My Winnipeg next, uh, well, tomorrow, actually, on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Guy Madden, he's, he's a Canadian filmmaker, and I, uh, I've actually never seen My Winnipeg, but I've seen some other movies he's done, and he really likes old films, so he ages his films artificially, does <laughs> okay. things like that. He's done some really weird movies. Mm-hmm. He did create the best Canadian film about ostriches ever made. <laughs> called Twilight of the Ice Nymphs with Shelley Duvall and one man who looks astoundingly like Leonard Cohen. Uh, and uh, my Winnipeg, he's from Winnipeg, so I can presume it may or may not. I, I've, I've been to Winnipeg. I can see it in time to praise the town. But it's yep. uh, it's uh, so I, I, I think that it's um, it's it's some of that. And I'd be very interested to see how it unfolds. And that that's so that is at the Norman Bouchard Theater at the Old Student Union Building tomorrow at 7 o'clock. At 7 o'clock. Got yes. it. And people can... Get to give to go see it again. This is the new year. Mm-hmm. A lot of things are open to everybody. Please go see the really wonderful Opera Warriors. Please go to Push Festival and go to now this. Amen. And also Hateful Eight. <laughs> Sorry, Hateful Eight. <laughs> that's that's like a big theater thing. No but, spoilers. Yeah. No spoilers. I won't. I won't. It was really good though. Anyways, thank you so much for joining us today. Today is the January sixth episode of the Arts Report. I am your host Ashley Park. I have. Uh, Andy. And? Jake. All right, thank you. And next up is some cool music. Ooh. Of a wild, sexy land And the sky where I'll fly I'll be free as the wind
Radio. This is Riff Raff. Every Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. on 101.9 FM with Rilly Rails and Jules Andre Brown. We're the Bitter Weed Draw, and you are listening to CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. 